Well, good morning. <clears throat> it's good to be back. It's good to be with you once again. If you've got your Bible, we're going to be in the very first page of God's text, book of Genesis, chapter 1. Encourage you to get your Bible, your phone, your tablet, your scroll, whatever you use, and just get it open. Let's look at some things from God's Word. What a beautiful day we have. And I look forward to spending the next few days with you as we come and study some things from God's Word, try to encourage you as you encourage me, and share together on this journey that we wanted to go to heaven together. And I'm thankful to be back here once again. I love this church. This is just a great church. A lot of great people. A lot of great memories here. And I'm very thankful you invite me back. You know, hear a guy one time, that's one thing. But you invite him back a second and third time, well, you know what you're getting into. And so, you know, it's not my fault now. Y'all did this. So, <laughs> But I'm glad. I'm glad. Love that Johnson family very dearly. Love Sean. And I look forward to spending a lot of time with Sean this week as we get together and talk preacher stuff and do the things of God. And I'm glad we're starting this on a Sunday. Sunday's the best day of the week. We say that at home all the time. You know, Sunday's just different. You know, it's different in our schedules and what we do. Sunday's the day God began the creation. And Sunday's the day that Jesus rose from the grave. Sunday was the day when the first gospel was preached. Saints gather and saints remember. And so things are so much better when we think about coming together on a Sunday. I've often told people I wish every day was a Sunday. It just, life would be so much better as we would have those things. Well, let's begin on our lesson. If you've got your little note cards, I'll follow most of it as I can. I've got some places we won't be following it, but we will be looking at it quite a bit here as we look at some things together. We want to talk about life the way it was meant to be. There's a scene from an old movie where this attorney had gone to an L.A. Laker basketball game. And after the game, he's driving home late at night. Traffic in L.A., as you've ever been there, just comes to a standstill. He's impatient, so he decides to cut through downtown L.A. This road takes him to this road, takes him to this road, takes him to that road. He's totally lost. And his engine light comes on, and his car stops. So he calls for a tow truck, and while he's waiting, a group of thugs come around and surround his car, scared to death. Tow driver shows up. The tow driver goes up to the leader of this gang and says, man, the world ain't supposed to work like this. He says, maybe you don't know this, but this ain't the way it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be able to do my job without asking you for permission. And this dude is supposed to be able to wait in his car without you ripping him off. Everything is supposed to be different than what it is. What a great line that is. Remember when Dorothy opened that little farmhouse in the Wizard of Oz, and she walked into the land of Oz. Little Toto with her, she said, we're not in Kansas anymore. And a lot of us are realizing this world just ain't the way it's supposed to be. We've got parents who are going to let their child grow up to determine his own gender. That's crazy that is. We have policemen that ride around in fear, thinking that someone's going to shoot them because they're so full of hatred. We have heroin addiction, it's off the charts. Mass shootings almost doesn't even make the news anymore. Porn industry is out of control and polluting the minds of so many. Nearly every major city in America has seen an increase in murder and crime. People are angry. They're angry at politics, they're angry at work, they're angry at home. And we've come through this last 20 months of this pandemic and we thought things are supposed to be normal. And we wonder if normal is ever going to come back again. The shelves are empty. A lot of places you still have to wear your mask. And you wonder, what is this? Is this the way life 
is supposed to be. A couple years ago, back home, we always have a theme for the year. And that was our theme, life the way it's meant to be. And what we do back home, that becomes our skeleton. And all of our Bible classes, all of our gospel meetings, everything we do is built on that theme, life the way it's meant to be. And that's what we want to begin this, this little few days together as we talk about this concept. What is Christianity supposed to look like? I mean, we look in this book here and we see these principles. We see these stories. But when I take it out here and I put it in my heart, What's it supposed to look like Monday morning when I'm at work? What's it supposed to look like Friday when it says, you know what, I'm done with work for the week, let's go have some fun. What's it supposed to look like when I'm walking to the funeral home? What's it supposed to look like when I have a payday and I get some money? What is Christianity supposed to look like on an everyday basis? And so what we do in this first lesson here is we want to just talk about the principles of what life is supposed to be as God made it. Jesus tells us in the book of John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And there's two principles Jesus tells us here I want us to look at. First of all, he talks about this life being abundant. Abundant means a lot. I mean, somebody says, I got abundant wealth. That dude's rich. Somebody says, I got abundant health. He's a healthy guy. Jesus says, I want to give you abundant life. Now, I think for a lot of us, we think, okay, that will happen when I get to heaven. I believe the context of this passage, Jesus says, I came to give it to you now. And I think for a lot of Christians, we think, just hold on to this ugly, stinking, miserable life. Just hold on the best you can, and someday we'll be in heaven. I think Jesus is trying to get you to see the good life is right now. The abundant life is right now, and it's found in Jesus Christ. So if you've got your Bible, let's turn to the book of Genesis, if you will, Genesis chapter 1. And let's notice how this story begins. book of Genesis, by very definition, means beginning. Beginning of life, beginning of relationship with God, beginning of family, beginning where we read about sin, beginning where we see the coming promise of Jesus Christ, Beginning of our history as we think of how it transcends down through these things. And so there's a lot of powerful lessons here as we think about this concept here. In verse 27 and verse 28, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing on the earth. The dominant word in that expression throughout this first chapter is good. Everything God made was good. And what we have here is Adam and Eve, the perfect couple. He was the perfect man. She was the perfect woman. The reason is because God made them that way. They were sinless. No background, no history, no in-laws, no issues, no baggage. while back, Young couple sat down with me, wanted me to do the wedding. And she did all the talking. She looked over at him, she goes, he's just perfect. <laughs> and I just thought, we never argue, she said. We get along all the time. Right then I said a quiet prayer. I said, Lord, do I tell her now or I'll just let her find out? <laughs> because we know how that is. We're not perfect. And, and have you ever thought about this? What did Adam and Eve talk about over the dinner table? 
Couldn't talk about the neighbors. There was no neighbors. Can't talk about the kids. No kids. Where are we going for the holidays? Well, where else are we going to go? This is home. You know, they had nothing to complain about, nothing to be sad about, nothing to be upset about. I mean, I can see Adam sitting down, well, it's another perfect day. I guess tomorrow's going to be another perfect day. That's what they had. How was gardening today? Well, wasn't much to do because there was no weeds. You know, that's, that was indeed the perfect couple. But what we see here in Genesis chapter 1, as God had made them, but they were not satisfied. And that leads us now to our next text here, and this is in Genesis chapter 3. You know the story, but let's go over here and let's read the context. And from this, we're going to talk about some things that lead to this idea of life the way God meant it to be. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, and let's just pause there for a minute. Several things were not told. We're not told how long after creation this happened. Was this the next day, the next month, five years later? We don't know. We just don't know. We also don't know if this is the only animal that could talk. I mean, you know, I have a cat at home, and every once in a while that cat's in my chair, and I say, get, get down. If that cat said, oh, I'll jump back just a little bit, you know. <laughs> Eve doesn't seem to be surprised she's talking to a serpent. I don't understand this. We're not told that. That is not necessary to understand the story. But what it says here, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, God has said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. That's the first question in the Bible. We're going to talk about this in a minute. The serpent puts a question mark where God put a period. And that has never changed. Today, people are putting question marks where God has a period. God says an absolute. Satan says, maybe it's not absolute. And so from that, the woman said to the serpent, verse 2, from the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden... Uh, God said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When a woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was the delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. The eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Let's just kind of grab the next two verses. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? And we're going to come back to verse 9 in a minute. That's the first question God asks in the Bible. Where are you? Now, what takes place here, as we think about Adam and Eve in the garden here, and, and we think about all the things that talked about here, and all the things that's asked, as Satan talks in this conversation, he discredits what God says. And again, let's go back and notice how this begins in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Verse 2, from the fruit of the trees, notice a plurality, verse 2, of the garden we may eat. What, what, what he's saying is, God puts you in this lush garden, and you're going to starve because you can't eat anything. Now, where Eve missed it, and where you and I missed it, is Satan had Eve looking at that one tree. 
What Eve should have done is turn around. No, I can't eat that tree, but look at all this that God has provided. Look at all this fruit. Look at all these trees. No, he focused on the one she couldn't have. And that's what Satan does to us. And then what Satan did, he deceives Eve. He gets her confused. And what, what happens here, maybe things could be better than what they are. You think things are perfect. You think things could not be better than this. Maybe God's holding out on you. Maybe life could be better if you tried something else. And then what he does is he creates doubt in Eve's mind. Maybe God is not as good as you really think he is. And from that, Eve disobeys God. And Satan wants us to do the same thing. He wants us to understand that Eve here was not influenced by contemporaries. There was no one but Adam. It was not her friends she hung out with. It wasn't the magazines she read. It wasn't the TV show she watched. It was just Eve and the serpent. But what he did is he created a thought in her mind that God made perfection. And Satan says, I don't think it's as good as it could be. I think you can do better than what God said. In fact, I don't think life with God is as good as he tells it to be. And there's you and me today. And from this, three questions come out of this. The first question is, whose voice will I hear? Now, it's not serpents talking to us today. It may be a coworker. It may be a parent. It may be a spouse. It may be a parent. It may be a child. It may be a neighbor. Sadly, it may be a church member. And they're saying things that saying, you know, life could be better than what it is. Following this New Testament system really doesn't really add up to things. And then the question comes is, who will rule my heart? Will it be God or self? Because what Eve found for the very first time in her life, she found misery and pain. She found out that Satan had lied to her. She found out that she had guilt and fear, and she never knew those things before. And then who do I trust? Driven from the garden, this is how the story is repeated over and over. Now, go with me once again to Genesis 3. Let's grab verse 8 and verse 9 once again. Verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Just stop there for a moment. Can you imagine that this morning before you came down to the church house? Lord sees you coming out, getting ready to go to your car. He says, come on, let's go for a walk. Can you imagine walking with God? And we I say, man, sun's coming, it's going to be a hot day, God, and all this stuff. He said, listen, hear that little bird? Listen to him. I made that just for you. See that little flower coming up over there? I did that. How we would miss things like that. But now verse 9. Then the Lord God called to man and said, where are you? It's not hide and seek. It's not about location, location, location. God knows all things. God knew exactly where they were. What God is saying is you've never hid from me before. You've never been afraid of me before. We've always had this wonderful relationship. This is not the way I made it to be. I didn't make you to be afraid of me. I didn't make you to run from me. I didn't make you to hide from me. Something is not the same. And it was what they did. That's so life the way it's meant to be. That's something, again, that we need to kind of consider and look at as we think about that idea. As we think, is God as good as he really is? Has God been good to me as we, I think we should? Some are unhappy and think they can do better. And dangling in front of us. It's not forbidden fruit. 
But maybe it's a sexual affair with somebody at work. Maybe it's lying on your resume. Maybe it's stealing from your company. Maybe it's a bottle. Maybe it's some pills. Many, many forms that kind of promise the same thing. If you do these things, life will be better than what you have right now. And our question before us is, do I, is following the Bible the best life that God can have for us? And we follow and listen to those things all the time. Wasted lives, wasted opportunities. Life's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, there are some people who have never, ever seen forgiveness in their life. They've never seen forgiveness. Oh, they've seen hatred. They've seen prejudice. They've seen revenge. But they've never seen somebody who got hurt by somebody and said, you know what, sister? You shouldn't have said that about me, but I forgive you. There's a lot of people that have never seen that. Life the way it's meant to be. There's a lot of people who have never seen a thriving, trusting marriage as God wants it to be. Now, they've seen dysfunction in family. They've seen divorce in family. But they've never seen a couple stay together for 40 and 50 years because they want to. A lot of people have never seen that before. A lot of people have never seen worship that is, that is not a show, and it's not a, a, a concert. What they've never seen is worship that comes from the heart, and it's Bible-felt and Bible-based, and it honors and glorifies God. There's a lot of people who have never seen that. Life the way it's meant to be. There's a lot of people who have never seen the heart of a servant. Oh, they've seen selfishness. They've seen stinginess. But to do something and to ask nothing in return. Well, why do I owe you for that? Nothing. Because Jesus did that, I'm going to do that. That's life the way it's meant to be. And, and, and what does Christianity look like on a Sunday? It looks like this. All kinds of people with different backgrounds, different education, different colors, different stories. But we assemble together because we want one thing, that's to honor the God who loves us. And what does it look like on a Monday when we're at work? It looks like honesty and integrity. What does it look like on a Friday night when we're having fun? It's things that are decent and honest. This is the way that God had intended these things to be. Now, what's happened through the years, as, as with Adam and Eve, is that sin has changed and ruined that life. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And expiration means to miss the mark. Well, what's the mark? The mark is what God intended. This is what I expect you to do. This is what I intend. This is why I made you. But you've missed it. Long time ago, long time ago, when I was 19 years old, between college, I was helping in the summer camp. And I was volunteering as a counselor. And the camp director said, we need someone to do archery. Now, the oldest campers were 18. I was 19. I thought, this is a sweet deal. I'll be out there in the field by myself with these 18-year-old girls, showing them how to shoot arrows. This is going to be a cool thing. I never shot an arrow in my life. I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. So first thing I, th I thought of was, uh, you got to look like you know what you're doing. So I shot one arrow and almost hit my foot. That was bad. I shot another arrow. I don't think it ever came down. I mean, it just went. I thought, no, this is not going to go well. So, so I went right up to the target, stood about a foot away, shot it. Backed up some more, shot it. I kept, I kept backing up. I was getting pretty good. But I found out two things from that experiment. Archery is hard. And 18-year-old girls don't sign up for archery. It's 9-year-old boys. 
just kind of shot my ideas there, you know? But now, what this passage is telling us is there's a target. God made you just the way you are. If you take your Bible and go with me over to the book of Acts, chapter 17. There's going to be a bell, right? Sometime, I don't even see a clock. Is there just going to be a bell sometime I'm supposed to stop? Or at midnight it rings, we all fall out? So I don't know. I don't know. Okay, Acts 17. And here as Paul is preaching, he would tell them in Acts chapter 17, concerning the God who made all things, he says in verse 26, he says, And he made from one nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined the appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Just park it there. You ever wonder why we live in 2021 and not 1021? Not 21? Not 21 BC? You ever wonder why you're born in America, not Philippines, Europe, Africa? Everyone, why you're male, you're female? Why some of you are so shy that your mother says hi, you kind of hide? Some of you are so outgoing, you could talk to a wall and the wall would respond. I mean, that's just how some of us are, you know? Some of us are just that way. Why are we that way? Because God has determined these things. God wired you just the way you are and put you in this generation according to his purpose. That's why God has done that. And God has a plan for you. And God has a target. And when you follow the Bible, you hit that target just as God wants you to. But what Satan does and what sin does, it has us shooting these arrows all over the place. And we don't live life the way it's supposed to be. And we wonder one day, why am I so grumpy? Why am I so unhappy? Why is it I can chase this rabbit, chase that rabbit, and nothing really comes to be for me? And it's really because we've not lived and understood life the way God intended it to be. And so from this idea, as we think about this mark, this mark is the life that God intended for us to hit. God expects us to see how important it is that you be honest with your sins. Some people will hide their sins. Kind of what Adam and Eve did. I mean, maybe they thought God wouldn't find them. Where are you, God said. God knew. But maybe they thought we can hide from God. Kind of what Jonah thought, didn't he? Maybe I'll just get in this boat and go too far away. And God says, man, you're too far away to call you now. I'll have to get another prophet. Some people just try to hide from their sins. Some people try to justify their sins. I just can't help it. It's just the way my dad was. It's just the way my grandparents are. It's just the way my family is. And all they do is they justify that. You know, I've heard people say, well, we just don't say I love you. You can. It starts with saying I love you. You can do that. You can do that. Some people run from their sins, and then some people deny their sins. And as long as you do any of those things, life will never be as God wants it to be. Now, three things I'm going to give you. That's not on your note cards, so you've got to find some place to write this down. But three things that God intends for you to do. Number one, God intends for you to be a disciple of Jesus. Matthew 28, going to all the world, he says, preach the gospel, baptizing them, making disciples. And we sometimes say the word disciple means a pupil, and we get the idea of a student in the classroom. That's really not the good concept. A disciple is more like an apprentice. And we know from history, we see some artists who come along after the masters. We know who was trained by Michelangelo because he paints like Michelangelo. He does sculpture like Michelangelo. He was trained by the master. That's what discipleship means. 
Jesus wants you to be his disciple. So when somebody sees you, I can see who trained you. It was Jesus. Acts chapter 4, that they had been with Jesus. The second thing, God intends for you, your life to be an oasis. An oasis for other people. An oasis by serving. An oasis by encouraging. An oasis by being a light of the world. That's what God intends. And then number three, God intends for you to be God-pleasing. God-pleasing by honoring him, abiding in his word, and loving him. That's what God intends us to do. And so from our lives, God expects us to be strong and to be faithful and be obedient and to be a worshiper. These are some attributes that God wants us to be, to be like Jesus. Life, the way God intended it to be. It's a life that's beautiful, and it's a life that's strong, and it's a life of hope, and it's a life that pleases God and ends in heaven, and it's a life of wise choices that are spiritually based. So you young people, when you're getting to the dating age, you've got to look beyond the outside wrapper. Oh, she's so cute. Oh, he makes me laugh. Great. What are you going to do when he's 60 years old and he's running out of jokes? You know, he's not going to make a laugh anymore. Is he going to get you to heaven? Is she going to get you to heaven? You've got to look beyond the outside and look to the inside and to be the way that God wants you to be. Song leader, how much time do I have? No, don't go there. <laughs> five minutes. Okay. All right. All right. Five minutes. Okay. So my wife and I, we have tickets to the Louisville Symphony. We go every year. Now, you have to understand the difference. My wife studied piano in college, and I think if she really busted it, she could be on stage playing. So when she goes, she hears transitions and themes. When I go, I wonder why this violin is darker than that violin, <laughs> you know? And I wonder why they all wear black socks. I mean, why do they wear cool socks, you know? We, we, we go for different reasons, okay? But a few years ago, at the very beginning of the season, they brought in a guest conductor. They called the WOW concert. They brought in the John Williams. The John Williams. Star Wars, Indiana Jones. He's got more Oscars than any living human being. We're sitting in the middle, row eight. Very, very close. And so there's a, there's a score from the movie Lincoln, which he wrote. It starts off with a one cello, single cello. So Nicholas, who's a single cello player, I love that guy. Never met him. I told my wife I want to invite him to our home. He goes, what would you talk to him about? I said, I don't know. I just, I just like him, you know. I like him. I talk to him about socks, you know. I don't know. But so, so Nicholas starts this beautiful little piece all by himself. And, and what's interesting, John Williams doesn't hold up the baton. He just looks over at Nicholas and just kind of nods. He starts playing. Pretty soon the whole orchestra fills in. Beautiful song. And everyone stands up and claps at the end. And John Williams just goes out and shakes Nicholas's hand, and it's right there. You know, every once in a while you get these moments. I got a moment. Because we've heard Beethoven and Brahms and Schubert, Mozart. All those guys are dead. They're all dead. Right here is the guy who wrote it. He knows exactly how it's supposed to sound. He knows the tempo. He knows if you get it. And he was this close to the, to the first chair cello player. And so the cello player was playing right before the conductor. Now, here's the thing. You and I have a score in our hand. We don't call it the score. We call it the Bible. 
And the God of heaven wrote that. And he looks down at this and says, that's the way a marriage is supposed to be. That's the way I wrote that. You're hitting every note right. That's the way young people are supposed to be when they're at school. And all this junk is going on. They're not doing that stuff. Because that's exactly how I wrote that. And as you and I live our lives, we've got this masterpiece right before us. And when we follow this masterpiece, God is saying, that's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Life, the way it meant to be. And so that's how we're going to start this week. We're going to talk about a lot more things as we go through this. But I hope it gives you some things to think about. And as you look at your life, maybe you realize my life is not the way it's supposed to be. I mean, I've just kind of got a lot of stuff going on in my head that shouldn't be there. Maybe I'm angry. Maybe I got some issues I need to work on. Maybe I'm just kind of mad at people. Maybe I got this or that. Maybe there's somebody in my life I haven't forgiven. There's also stuff that can be floating around through our minds. Is that the way God wants you to live? He's giving you example after example, principle after principle, and this masterpiece before us. And as we sit down and live our lives, right before the God who made this, he can say, that's what I expect you to do. Hard? Yes, it is. That's why they never asked me to come up on stage. I couldn't play that stuff. It's hard, but they do that. And we can do the same thing following the will of God. And so if we can help you in any way, we need some prayers, we need to be baptized, won't you come as we stand, as we sing.